Hi, I'm Sarah Wall, and today we introduce the Walking Wisdom Podcast. Before we get into our conversation, I want to thank the Card Network, Australia's go-to gift card provider. They have all the best brands on just one card, from fashion to beauty, to all of the latest tech and gaming. The choice is yours. Today's guest is Lisa Alexander, the most capped Australian Diamonds coach of all time. We are looking forward to seeing what's next in Lisa's high performance career. This podcast is designed to support coaches. We encourage you to put your earphones in and walk with us as we share our coaching tips and solutions to netball scenarios to help you guys get back into netball stronger and wiser. So Lisa, Alexander, are you ready to get walking? I'm walking as we speak, Lisa, (laughs) Sarah. So part of my morning routine is getting out and going for a walk. How fantastic. Well, we've really enjoyed everyone's podcasts. It's all about sharing your wisdom. And Lisa, we're going to kick off with a question with a bang. What is your hardest or most challenging coaching moment? Uh, Well, it wasn't a moment. It was probably a series. And it was at the very start of my coaching journey as the Australian coach when we went to England with an understrength team. Um, We knew that we were understrength, but uh, we had the commitment of having to play in England. And that's part of what you have to do when you're playing international netball. You have to go over to their country and also they come to yours. So that's you know, it's a partnership. So we had to go, even though we had a lot of injuries and it was a struggle um, because Australia doesn't normally lose to England, even in England. And it doesn't very, well, it has never before lost the whole series. We lost every match over there, even though every match was close. And so that was a very, very tough time for us. Um, it was also the debut of Kim Revillian um, and April Brandley. So we had some younger players coming through. Chanel Gomes also was with us over on that tour as well. Um, but what I was really impressed with and why it was not, um, I guess, as a, a big a failure as it could have been, it actually set us up for the next I guess, 18 months where we were basically undefeated uh, for that next 18 months. We went through 100% win ratio. So even though it was a very hard time, we still got a lot of really good work done. Um, And I had to make sure I was very focused on what it was we were trying to achieve. And I had to explain to the netball world that, you know, yes, we'd lost every game, but it was very close but we'd achieved a lot by you know, resting players back at home so they could get over injuries and also giving new young players an opportunity on international court. So it was a trial by fire for myself as a national coach. Lise, I think so many people can relate to that. I mean, there's got to be a period of time where you do blood young players and give them that opportunity and sometimes that doesn't come with the win. Lise, there's so many tough times that come as a coach, the losses, the challenges, but nothing outweighs the wins and the great 
times and the great feelings. What is your best moment when you reflect on everything you've done in netball to date? Uh, well, it has to be two moments, really. Um, the win in Glasgow, the Commonwealth Games win, when we won the game quite comfortably in the end um, and it was the first time Australia had won at gold medal at Commonwealth Games level for 12 years. It's not easy to win Com Games and now that I've been through the cycle twice, I can understand why it's not easy to win because it's a multi-sport event. There are many distractions and other things going on, so it's not just focused on netball. So that's why it is tough. Um, plus, it's a very tough tournament anyway. It's a, the top 12 nations in the world, and you know most of the games are very hard. Um, even though you might have bigger score lines, you still have to prepare for each one very individually and there's a lot of work that goes into that. So when we won that game and Laura and I embraced each other, Laura Geitz and I at the end of the game, it was just so satisfying that that group of players, particularly Laura being the captain and leading so well with Bianca Chatfield as her vice-captain, um, and Kimmy Green was also in the leadership group there. We, Everyone just played their role and did a fantastic job and it was very satisfying. Um, and, you know, you could tell how happy people were back at home, even though we we're a long way from home. And then, of course, you can't, I can't go past the win in Sydney um, in front of a home crowd. You wouldn't, you know, it's it's the dream of every coach really to win in front of their home crowd and have the, have the team perform so well at the end of the week, particularly in that first quarter where we blew New Zealand off the park. Um, it was just, you know, it was enormously satisfying as well. So those two moments are pretty equal. People often ask me which, which event is more important, and I can tell them now I know that World Cup, the Netball World Cup is the most important event to Netball because it is purely Netball. So, you know, even though Com Games is nearly equally important, um, as a benchmark event, the World Cup is it for netball. Unreal. And I was one of those people sitting back, jumping up and down, very excited by both of those events. It, it brings back great memories. And Lise, you've made headlines in national news, crossing codes and going to AFLW. Can you just explain what happened and why North Melbourne may have said no to you putting your hand up to take on that lead coaching role? Well, Sarah, for a lot of, you know, the netball fans, they probably don't know, particularly out of Victoria, that I'm a very passionate AFL follower. I've always been. Um, I was brought up around footballers since I was a baby and have been, you know, following football and watching it and playing it myself whenever I could, because in those days, in our early days, you couldn't really find football teams for, for women and girls. Um, I've always loved the game. And I actually did my coaching qualifications for football when I was studying to be a physical education teacher back in the um, mid-80s. So um, I, I feel like I've been very well prepared to coach football if I get the opportunity. I certainly have when I've had the opportunity in school teams. I've coached my daughter's team once. Um, 
And I've always been interested in watching how the AFL coaches go about their business. And I've been, you know, an avid follower of the, the football shows on TV, etc. So I, I've been at training sessions. I've watched training sessions. I see the similarities between football and netball. And many times we've had crossovers between the two. So I remember in Lee and Gatha days, I'd be coaching the Gippsland regional team and the Lee and Gatha footballers would come down and practice against us in netball. And we would also play some football during our pre-season preparation to increase our fitness. So, you know, there's been a lot of crossover for me for a long time. And so when you know, people have asked me, what am I going to do after the Diamonds? I said, I'm very interested in AFL. I've always been interested. I've visited many coaches and programs over the time. And, you know, I feel I've got a lot to add to their programs, particularly from a high performance point of view and in a, and from a coach education point of view. So um, it wasn't out of the question for me to apply for a head coaching position, because in terms of high performance, I've certainly got the qualifications to do it. Um, but, you know, as people have said, I haven't had the direct football experience um, and it's probably going to be a matter of time before I get that experience and, and I will enjoy it. I do enjoy both. Netball's probably my first love, definitely in coaching, um, but I also really love football as well. Now, Lise... I'm excited to see the next steps here. You know, with me by your side, there's no way you'll be escaping netball, that's for sure. But Lisa, I really love my job because I get to pick the brains of the great coaches. Um, I'm really interested in how we can help our community coaches with some of the knowledge that you've learnt, the good, the bad, and how to bring it to life. Now, I'd love to ask you some scenarios. And the first one is if a player comes to you and tells you that they're just losing interest, not only in netball, but just in committing to a team, what do you do? Well, first of all, you've got to find out what's going on with that player. Um, I guess now with my work, particularly with leading teams as well, but it's been a part of my coaching for a long time is getting to know the person first and the netballer second. Um, so really as a coach, even at, or more especially at community level, it's knowing the players and having a genuine interest in their, in them. So you've got to create opportunities for that to happen um, where you can build and work on the relationship you have with your players. So I would be hoping that I had a sense of what was going on with that player a bit earlier than them having to come to me to say that. I'd be sort of knowing ahead of time that player was probably struggling a little bit, may have been you know, isolating themselves from the group or not turning up to training or something like that. But if they did come to me, I'd definitely make a time to sit down with them, to talk with them about what it is they're not enjoying, um, what things that they think they, you know, they think are going not in the right direction for them um, and try and explain to them that sometimes you know, sport doesn't always give us exactly what we want all the time. It's not, you know, designed to entertain us. Sometimes we have to get over humps and hurdles. Um, even in a team sport, there's, you know, going to be the downtime. So 
I look and talk with them, have have a formulate a bit of a plan around what they might try and do to engage more in the training sessions, how I can help them and support them as a coach, and also how, you know, the team can, I guess, embrace that person a little bit more as well. You can't force that to happen, but certainly you can, you know, discuss that with a couple of the leaders in your group. People who are losing interest and isolating themselves generally don't want to draw attention to themselves. So it has to be done in a way that's very subtle and just quiet support from the background. I might also try and buddy them up with one of the leaders in the team so that that person's responsible for making sure that, you know, that the person that's losing interest is getting more um, attention and support to help them to enjoy the sessions that they're doing. Yeah, that's awesome, Lise. And you mentioned a lot of the time they don't actually come to you and tell you, you just observe their losing interest. You know, you can see it. And as coaches now, we we mightn't, you know, realise, but you're effectively looking out for people's well-being, you know, that covers all aspects of their life. So it's really important, you know, you mentioned that, Lisa, and I hope people that do listen, when you do take on a coaching role, my goodness, not only do you have to get the session plans and training right and get the game execution plan, but you actually have a responsibility to their well-being. And it's something every coach that signs up to a team probably needs to understand as a part of the role especially this day and age when we're going to need a lot of love and compassion coming back into a non-COVID environment. But Lise, this next scenario, um, I'm just going to throw this in there. I haven't prepared you for this one, but it's something that's very common. You know, there's a team you're coaching and the players aren't getting on. There might be problems at schools. There might be, you know, just some players just don't like each other. Is that a problem? Can you still win with a team that not don't necessarily like each other? Yeah, I think it's a really important lesson life lesson for people to learn and understand that that's definitely been the case and I think you know school teaches you that to a certain extent getting you know getting to know different people and you might have your group of friends but I know that teachers try and make sure they mix up classes and mix up groups so people are getting to know and working with people they're not used to working with that's actually part of what life's all about is you know when they when those players get out into the workforce, they're going to have to join work teams, um, especially workplaces these days where you may not like the people you work with, but you certainly need to respect them and understand, you know, try and work with them and support each other. Um, and that's a really great life lesson. So from my point of view, there have been teams, particularly coaching Victorian state teams, where not everyone's best mates um, but I think you've got to teach the lessons of how teamwork needs to transcend friends. It needs to um, be about the goal that the team is trying to get to and the behaviours that that team needs to definitely show in order for them to achieve that goal of winning, you know, whether it's a national title or whatever it is. But just even with your club team, the goal is to, you know, play well together every week and enjoy the actual game and training. That doesn't mean you need to be best friends and best mates off the court as well. And I think learning to understand the diversity of the people in your group, the different personalities, and the fact that you can play together, even if you're not best mates out of netball, is a really important lesson in sport. Yeah, that's another great message, Lisa. And when you look back, 
even in teams I've played, I mightn't necessarily have the closest friendship, but it really helped me when I understood where someone was coming from. I mean, I'm very different to a lot of people. And, you know, if you can just find that understanding, I think that's a really great way to, to communicate that with young kids, just explaining that just because someone mightn't be just the way you are or like the same things. And I saw that in many of the players that I played with and, you know, they've gone on to become really great friends within teams. So you just never know. It's having the respect for each other. Now, Lise, this one is really around the motivation side. You spoke about having a bit of a losing streak with young players joining the team. How do you manage a season if you're losing each week, week in, week out? What do you do to spark it up? Well, I've actually experienced that with the Gippsland Regional Team in the State League in the Championship Division, and it's not much fun, I have to say, Sarah, Um, particularly when you're a young coach and you've got expectations of going on with your coaching career and all of a sudden you're losing all of these games. I was not used to it um, because I'd been part of winning teams as a player but also as a coach in my younger days. And so it was very unusual for me Um, and that was the problem. It became all about me as the coach and my record and, you know, the the team was not playing well and that's going to reflect badly on me. Woe is me. Um, And it took actually my captain, Zoe Miller, to shock me out of it by saying to me halfway through the season, Lisa, you just don't look like you're enjoying coaching at all and you know, it's it's not actually helping at the moment. And Zoe is a wonderful, wonderful player that I coached. She was also a student who I taught at school, one of my best students. And also she used to babysit for me as well when I was coaching and she she would be helping look after Carly and Beth at that stage. So she was very much a part of my life and somebody who I really admired even you know she's younger but I still admired what she did and how she went about her business so for her to say that to me took a lot of bravery and courage Um, and I just really had a good hard look at myself and said you know this is just not acceptable this I'm worrying about me it's all about my own ego instead of thinking about the most important thing as a coach which is the team that you're coaching and what's best for them. So I really did a 360 degree pivot and started again with turning up to training sessions and being positive and enjoying and challenging and smiling and just ensuring that everyone enjoyed the the sessions. That was number one. So I had to change my own attitude Number two, what I did was I gathered the team in and said, like, this is where we're at. We've lost every game. These are the statistics that we, you know, have been down in. These are the areas we could really show because I, you know, talked about their strengths and what they could do. And we went through the second half of the season. We still lost every game, but we were very close. We nearly won one game. I remember that. It was so exciting. But we gave ourselves a dif- different measure. So we measured on different statistics. And we it, we could show ourselves through progress that we were improving. So that turned everything around and became a very enjoyable season. And lo and behold, I got asked to coach Melbourne Phoenix the following year. So there you go. You can have a losing year and still get asked to coach one of the best clubs in the country. So um, 
taught me a very powerful lesson. Lisa, that's awesome. That's why we always love talking to you. You're so honest. And I think by just sharing even that story, people can relate. And and it is about being honest with yourself and looking at yourself in the mirror and taking those lessons, even from people younger than us. And Lise, there's a few, you know, qualities of a coach that you've probably had people coach you and your feeling that you've developed, but what are the three main values as a coach that you think are the most important? Number one is to do no harm uh, physically or psychologically to the people that you are coaching because, you know, for for their the benefit of their mental health but also yours, it's so important that we concentrate on, you know, being very ethical in the way that we deal with people, fair-minded, showing lots of integrity so your moral compass has to be spot on, particularly if you're coaching young people. I think that's really important. Um, and number two is listening. That means really learning to listen to what your, you know, your players are saying to you. Even the younger ones will tell you a lot about what it is they need to know next. So they can actually help you organise your training sessions as well as your observing and your observation skills, just listening to them can teach you so much. And to have that growth mindset of really being willing to learn always. Um, I mean, I don't know everything about netball still. I was talking to a group of coaches in England this morning on a webinar. And, you know, there are things that I learnt um, on that webinar that I hadn't learnt before. Even though I was presenting, I always like to learn things, new things when I'm presenting information to a group of of coaches. So there were things that I learnt in that session and it's being open to that and then adapting your way of coaching, bringing in all of that information. Amazing. Can I ask what you learnt? Well, I actually learnt that... England were really trying to um, push us wide and apart in our uh, centre pass attack and they did that very successfully in the first quarter. Um, So learning about the opposition that they actually had set themselves to do that, even though when we look back on it, we saw that that's what they did. Um, I didn't actually know that they had learnt that about us. So very well done to England. Wow, there you go. Now, Lise, you've done it all in netball. What legacy do you really hope to leave on this sport with the many, many years ahead of you that you've got with us? Oh, look, I just really want everyone to be on that improvement journey, you know, to look to continue to keep improving the game, whether it's at grassroots or at high performance level. And, you know, I love the quote that, you know, the biggest room in the house is the room for improvement. Um, so, you know, really having that mindset about everything to do with what I've done in my career as a coach and a player, hopefully people have seen that and been inspired by that and will continue to do that. And finally, what has 2020 taught you? Well, it's definitely taught me to slow down and smell the roses. And that's a good thing. Um, particularly I love our roses here in Avoca. And I know, Sarah, you love your flowers too in your garden. Um, it, might year of the, it might be 2020 year of the gardening 
lease. Yes, definitely. And getting fit in the garden as well. I think this brought me to appreciate my neighbours. Definitely family because, you know, when you see them for the first time, it's very emotional after a period of absence. And I think just really enjoying our beautiful countryside here and the fresh air and our country. We are, we do live in one of the world's best countries, I think, and learning to appreciate that is a big part of it. Um, Learned a lot about cooking and, you know, just enjoying being instead of rushing around madly. I think that's been a very important time. Yeah, I think a lot of us can relate to that, Lisa. And thank you so much for your time today. We have cracked over the 20-minute walking mark. Now, if you want to continue walking, please make sure you do. And we hope that you've enjoyed today's Walking Wisdom podcast with Lisa Alexander. She is one of the best. She's big on leadership and you'll be hearing and seeing a lot more of Lisa in 2021 with NetBit. See you all soon. Thank you all for tuning in to our Walking Wisdom podcast and make sure you check out the Card Network gift cards. Head to www.thecardnetwork.com.au.